0: Hello, and welcome to Wild Sessions. I'm your host, Henrietta Norton, parent, author, nutritional practitioner, and founder of Wild Nutrition. Joining me are some incredibly empowering voices, specialists in women's life stages from menstruation to menopause. Together, we explore the twists and turns, intricacies and insights that make our bodies the scientific marvels they are. So for this episode I'm really delighted to introduce Laura Crane who is a visionary really she's building community and has built a brand called Perry. It's an app that's inspired a, a sisterhood a way of women connecting and supporting women that are going through the perimenopause and you're doing that worldwide and it's it's a fantastic thing I was just saying to you that I've actually got it I've been using it for a while and this morning I was looking through and seeing some of the dialogue that was being exchanged between your users and finding it not only really useful and supportive but actually quite moving the amount of support that women are getting through it and of course there's a good healthy dose of humor as well with some of the symptoms so Laura welcome it's so lovely to chat with you I would love thank for you for everybody that's listening to, to understand how you came to develop and launch the Perry app.
1: Yes. Hi, Henrietta. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so honored to be part of this conversation and this podcast. To everyone listening, I am originally German. That's why I have a little bit of an accent, <laughs> in case you wonder. Um, yes, like you're saying, we're building Perry, which is really a sisterhood. We call it a sisterhood for especially the perimenopause years. So we're very much focusing on the time of perimenopause, which can be the most turbulent really in the menopause transition and catching many by surprise. I myself come from a mother who had quite of a rough menopause transition. Back then, I didn't really know what it was. Looking back now and having conversations now with her, I'm much more, of course, aware of what, you know, what she has experienced. Laura,
0: can I I just ask, was she aware that that's what she was going through or is it more of a retrospective
1: awareness? Absolutely. Good question. Absolutely much more of a retrospective um, experience and kind of enlightenment. She knew something was going on, and I think she couldn't put it into words. Um, We as a family, we saw it much in her change of mood and change of almost a bit of personality. Back then, she couldn't really put her finger on it. what's happening. And it's funny, now when I talk to her, she almost, you know glorifies those days or she doesn't really see anymore how bad it was. She just said, you know, for me, menopause was really more hot flashes and and not much more, which is also interesting because I think that A, in her generation, there was simply not so much space and sisterhood to talk this about because it was a taboo. It remains a taboo and that's really why I built the Perry Sisterhood because I'm now approaching those years and I don't have any knowledge really about it. I don't have friends who I could talk this with about. So it's really kind of 32 years later down the road, it still kind of remains a taboo and that was very surprising to me. And that is a reason really why, you know, I do want to build this um, sisterhood and I do want to build this space. And even if our mothers went through it, it's still not something which mothers want to make a big topic out or really want to, you know, tell their daughters about how bad it was. So it's really kind of this, yeah, no, for me, menopause was only hot flashes and not more, which I know, you know, looking back is not true. So it remains a taboo and we often don't have the best preparation from our mothers or from our family members on what to expect in this time of life.
0: I think that's a really interesting point because that makes me think about the episodes in people's lives that are, and I use this term loosely because I know it's very overused, but times in our lives that are quite traumatic, when we look back on them, sometimes we can see them very differently. And, you know, I'm thinking about the parallel with raising children. Yes. At that time, there can be for many women a sense of overwhelm, a sense of anxiety, a lack of confidence, you know, very similar actually to the symptoms that we see being very dominant in that perimenopausal stage of life as well. So I think there's the sort of ability to put on rose-tinted glasses when we look back sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely, absolutely, yeah.
0: And picking up on your point about your mother feeling very unsupported. We met at our launch of the Future of Perimenopause report and what I found really eye-opening and alarming about that is that that seems not to have changed at all. Our report showed that 73% of women didn't actually know what the symptoms of perimenopause was full stop. And then when they did know, a significant amount of them felt very unsupported. And sadly, a very large amount of those felt worried and actually scared about what was happening to their bodies. So it is the development of sisterhoods like yours that are incredibly important because, you know, as a society, there are many things that we've stopped connecting on and stopped kind of coming together as communities and coming together in solidarity as well as, as women. Yes. So that's why you you launched it from personal experience. When was this? When did you launch it?
1: We launched Perry almost two years ago. We originally started, and I, I want to go back to one thing you said, which was very interesting on, you know, not kind of being able to point the symptoms, not really being able to understand what, what you're going through, because we see that in our community as well a lot. But we started two years ago. We originally started with our Instagram account. We're spreading a bit of awareness, a bit of humor, a bit of memes and just, you know, starting to break the taboo and break the stigma of this conversation. And we just saw an incredible amount of individuals, kind of you know, posting on these pictures and really sharing their stories and sharing quite intimate stories as well. Where we mm-hmm. were thinking, okay, maybe there is a lack of places where you can engage and talk to others and really kind of find your find your community and find your group. So we we started with a Facebook group, um, but I think that there can be safer spaces than Facebook. Mm-hmm. So we decided to launch our own app. So it's it's a free app. It's a very safe app. It's a safe space as we call it. And the main kind of reason for the app is really the, the connection. So it's a forum. It's a, a place where individuals going through menopause can meet, can connect, can talk to each other, can write personal messages. So it's really about the connection. It's, it doesn't have many fancy features, which we actually, you know, get the feedback that this is quite nice. You know, we're not building the next Tinder or we're not building the next uh, <laughs> TikTok. It's really just a, a place where you can have a conversation and Consume content. So we have a lot of articles. We have a lot of Knowledge Hub. Um, We invite experts into our group every second week to really just, you know, have that knowledge as well and have that science as well. Because back to your point, we see in our community a lot that women are just confused by the symptoms. Then they go to a trusted gynecologist, you know, who was great with pregnancy and great with delivering babies, and then that gynecologist dismisses her and says, You know, you're too young for what you experience, this can't be menopause. So, all of a sudden, there's this kind of distrust with the healthcare provider because you don't feel well, but you're not being taken seriously by the person you come to for advice and for recommendations. So, there's this huge peer to peer trust in our community. It's almost higher than going to a doctor. So We see women who have been to their doctors and have been dismissed or who have gotten even prescriptions, they go back into the community and ask others for advice, you know, what should I do? Is that normal? So we very much value this peer-to-peer conversation and this support. But we still want to bring in experts. We still want to bring in, you know, the ones who, who can give advice from an expert level into the space for for content and knowledge, because that is equally important to really educate yourself as well.
0: It needs to be foundational. It's, you know, the education pieces you've already touched on is yeah. women with their educa- education and awareness around women in their own bodies, then women to women as a sisterhood. And also in the industries around us as well, of which the medical industry is one of those. And it's not a mandatory part of yeah. the training in as you become a doctor. Yeah. But yet it's a very natural transition that every single woman is going to go through. So how is that possible? So the educational shift needs to happen on a huge scale. But yeah. also the other thing here is that we're not talking here about a medical condition. It is an experiential part of life. And so therefore, I think that sisterhood is really important for that because it's it's always it's the women on the ground doing the work, experiencing, living it Absolutely. every day that have got yes. the wisdom. And that's where, yes. you know, we look at different cultures around the world. Um, and I think this is not as strong as it used to be, but, you know, women are revered when they get to this stage because of the wisdom that they've acquired in their life to date and the wisdom that they're tapping into at this life stage, which with apps like Perry it's very clear that that wisdom is being shared. And also, as you've already said, and I've experienced, Mm -hmm. it's bringing the light to it, I think, sometimes as well, and bringing the humour to it. And and just saying, you know, it gets quite crappy sometimes. (laughs) But we move through it and there's gold at the end of the rainbow. So, yeah,
1: we call it the WTF moments. I think that is, you know, um, (laughs) and that's what everybody can really, you know, laugh about at one point as well, because so much weird stuff can happen. And we see women posting, you know, what else can come, but taking it a bit with humor. And I'm not saying you have to take it all the time with humor, because, you know, sometimes it can be quite a a tough experience. But, you know, taking a bit lightly and really sharing it and laughing together about it can just help. um, Yes. Help dramatically. Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. And in the in the peri app, you use the word warrior. Yes. Can you explain to me what that means to you?
1: Yes. I think it's, again, a bit of taking it seriously and then taking it lightly at the same time. And what we have learned is that they're they're fighting in that stage, right? There is some sort of fighting through and really, you know, overcoming something, which is quite tough on some. So, we do see our Perry sisters as warriors in the sense of this female force of fighters who are really, you know, fighting for each other, fighting through this time of life and really earning their stripes in what they're doing. So we really see them as this force of good and this force of just overcoming. We do want to acknowledge that there is a certain fight to it and there's a, a certain exhaustion to it and a certain way of overcoming to it. And that's why we do want to credit everybody going through it and how how we are, you know, managing that it is some sort of being a warrior and being in a fight in a good one and in a bad one sometimes as well.
0: I really like that concept because, you know, as you said, it's a physical challenge. It's physically, physiologically challenging yeah. Yeah. to the body, but it's also, and particularly in the perimenopause stage, I feel it's very much an emotional and mental challenge as well. And you have to yeah. dig quite deep into your inner resources to overcome them. A little bit like in childbirth, you know, the moments where you just want to scream, I give up, I can't do this, (laughs) is when you actually need to really focus and really come into yourself and find that strength within yourself and amongst those that are around you to get through it. Absolutely. We spoke about it in the launch, didn't we, about how it could be almost akin to running a marathon and you need to do your preparation, do your support. And it's the camaraderie that happens in the race that quite often get you to that last mile. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we've we've already touched on the fact that, you know, a lot of women don't know what perimenopause is for mm-hmm. a start. Um, mm-hmm. And quite often there's a muddied water between... Menopause and perimenopause, and Mm -hmm. it's sort of grouped into one thing. Mm -hmm. But we know that the perimenopause can affect women before the age of 40. It can go on for 10 years before the menopause kicks in. So it's a significant period of a woman's life. So many women don't know what the perimenopause is. 90% fail to understand exactly what the symptoms are. Mm -hmm. What do you feel that your women are getting the most out of the peri app? Is it that awareness and that understanding of what perimenopause is? Or are they already coming to the app aware that that is what is going on?
1: No, very, very good question. Some of them are aware, but the majority isn't aware. They're aware that something is going on and they find us then over articles or over, you know, they, so whoever is going into our app has already been doing some sort of research Um the majority wouldn't, you know, Google, am I in menopause? But the majority will Google "Are internal vibrations, uh, a symptom of menopause. Why is my period so irregular? So there are, you know, a couple of pointers, which more and more bring them towards the word of perimenopause. Um, one of the first questions is, is this normal or am I going crazy? So it's really <laughs> that part of validation. And that is really the, the main, 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 aim of the sisterhood to feel validated and to feel like you're not losing it and you're not going crazy. So it's really like, does anybody else experience this mood swings? Does anybody else experience this rage? So it's it's not maybe even so much about, you know, the word perimenopause, although it's all leading up to it, but it's more like, are these things normal? Is anybody else experiencing them? Um, and that is really that that kind of core and and center part of the app and the conversation. Is it normal? And is anybody else having the same? So it's really the first step towards then understanding more of what perimenopause is.
0: And of course, you've got that brilliant resource section as well, where you can get information from experts who can help them to understand as well and educate themselves on on what is going on for them.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that is then really, you know, for the next steps, really to understand more what is the role of estrogen, what is the role of progesterone. So this is kind of even more the advanced next step to understand more what's going on within your body. The first part is really just understanding, is there anybody else right now who's going through the same? So it's really, you know, that basic first connection that is most important to many.
0: One of the things that came out through our research with the report was looking at the socioeconomic and ethnic influences that women have when going through this life stage. I'm just wondering if that's something that you've seen reflected or echoed in your users as well.
1: Yes, it's it's interesting because we just partnered with Dr. Sharon Malone for one of our period talks and she did a couple of podcasts with Michelle Obama as well, talking mm-hmm. about menopause and just, yes, she's wonderful. And she said that black ladies in general are a impacted more by menopause symptoms Mm -hmm. so they do experience menopause symptoms stronger and earlier Mm -hmm. and due to you know reasons we all know are often even more dismissed in the doctor's office and during the doctor's visit than caucasian women for example are so there is that huge discrepancy for you know just being a taken seriously and then really experiencing the symptoms even stronger so we do see that we do you know of course want to educate on all those different levels and really trying to understand what are more gaps in our societies which allow women or don't allow women to be educated and be taken seriously. But this is the first thing we definitely learned, that there is a huge discrepancy in between women and and how far they're being taken seriously.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what our report showed as well, is that Caucasian women have to visit the doctors less times to be able to get the support that they need for the perimenopause, that they get more support at work. But interestingly, Caucasian women are less likely to speak to their community, to speak to their family, to speak to their friends about what is going on. That was the findings that we had. But that's not to say that it's not necessary for them. It absolutely is. I think there is, as you've pointed out right at the beginning, I think there's a sort of taboo around suddenly feeling out of control and not being able to cope. And I think that that's maybe more of a greater influence. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about educating from a young age, and we've already touched on the need for a sea change in education and how we educate women from a very young age, young girls, to become more connected to their body, to be more aware of this very natural life stage that they're all going to go through. And equally, I would say for, and this is poignant for me because I'm a mum of three boys, it's incredibly important for men, young boys to be aware of this as well. The research that we did showed that 52% of men don't actually know what perimenopause is. So that's significant. And so it needs to be an increase in education across the board, across the genders. I just wondered if you yeah. felt anything strongly about that and how that change could happen.
1: Yeah, I remember even, you know, in, in my school years, there wasn't much education around female health in general, um, about having your period, about being pregnant. There was just not that many hours spent on explaining what actually is happening. I think that's changed now. And I also know, you know, in the femtech space, there's much more focus and education around pregnancy and about periods and fertility. But I think that in general, we kind of have a fetish with fertility. So this is really our focus, right? We we love talking about it because it's sexy and it's, it's something which we celebrate, and we celebrate pregnancy, and we celebrate breastfeeding. Then somehow there is this almost like hushing around the, the next stage, and almost like what you were saying—not we don't want to scare anybody about the next phase, which is coming after the the fertile years. And I think that scaremongering should should not exist. It, it's really a, you know a part of educating and and preparing because it's like you were saying it's not a disease it's a phase we're all going to be in <laughs> i know that in the uk there are some initiatives which are trying to more integrate into the curriculum in high schools which i think is excellent that doesn't exist in the us yet and just educating of what's coming without creating fear just preparing and like you're saying for families as well because it is impacting not only the woman going through it, but also the partners and families. Yes, yes, Yes. absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I think in general, it plays into the conversation that needs to be had about how we can encourage generations that are growing up to be really engaged in their health and their well-being. And I mean, health in their holistic health. Yes. That can be through nutrition and diet, obviously, but also through how they live and how they manage stress and mindfulness and those foundation stones for growing up and being a human being in balance is so incredibly important. And
1: I love that at our event where we met, you were saying that not... Only, you know, start acting once you experience something and you feel your body changing, but really preparing yourself the years before um, yeah, and really going absolutely. in there equipped. Um, and we talked about it, right? That it's a little bit similar to pregnancy. Although in pregnancy, we're not equipping ourselves, we are equipping the baby more, right? So we are, we're, 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 it's, it's again, we're not doing it. For ourselves, we're no more doing it for the baby. <laughs> it's still um, others,
0: and I think that's really interesting. It's us, a really good yeah. point because even in clinic, I would have women that would come to me and say, "Well, I know that something's wrong because I can't stop being irritable with the kids, or and being really forgetful at work." Or it's always actually about the impact that it's having on yeah. others, yeah. and that's why they need to change it. And I think in some ways, it doesn't really matter how they get to that place, but once you're there, then engaging yeah. them in their own journey yeah. of it as well, and, yeah. and how it can benefit them. And also what we discussed at the event that we were at together was about the progression of of femtech. Our survey showed that about 55% of women were open to using femtech devices, you know, in their homes to monitor their hormones and whether it's, you know, an app tracker or diagnostic wearables. You've touched on fertility and how we can get very obsessed around fertility and tracking everything for fertility. I wonder if you have an opinion on whether this would be of benefit or not to women and what your opinion would be.
1: Yeah, there are some solutions which are already going into that direction of tracking and, you know, tracking your cycles and tracking your hormones. And I do think there is definitely value in that. Um, I'm a little bit torn in the sense of We are definitely looking for solutions, you know, what does the future look like and what makes life easier and how do you understand your body better? But again, you don't want to be exclusive as a community, and I think that often tech solutions are just for some who can actually afford it, and that is not so much our our vision right now. Our vision is really to you know keep it open, and what you can really keep inclusive. open and affordable, and inclusive is community mm. and it's the dialogue. I hundred percent agree that there can be solutions, and we're being approached all the time by companies with great ideas to track your cycles and to check your uh, anti Müllerian hormone, for example. I think. This is all great. I do, however, think that I think you call it in your in your report, Henrietta, sisterhood care or the care of community and which really cares for you and gives you, you know, is good for your mental and emotional health, is maybe not so much the tracking part, but really the conversation part. And that's that's Absolutely. right now our our focus. I do think they can all help and I think they're of value, but I think you need to be mindful of Are you building something which everybody can afford, yes or no? And um, does it really, you know, better the situation if you test all the time? So, for example, in perimenopause, we do know that testing even, you know, doesn't always make sense because your hormones are so erratic. So I was actually talking this with, with Emma at your event. What if you test all the time and, you, you know, you... You, you then attribute your mood to your low hormones but the next day then they're again higher maybe it's also even more confusing and not so much helping your situation in that moment exactly i think you yeah. can
0: trip up in being too reductive or too uh, one-dimensional in the way that we look we are multifaceted beings. We are, yes. you know, there are yes. so many different dimensions to who we are in, in yes. our existence. We're not just a, a walking body of flesh yes. with some biochemistry <laughs> <Something> going on. <laughs> so that's where I think everything serves its purpose in the right way in the right amount at the right time. Yes. But it's got to be very much a joined up holistic yes. approach. I would yes. I would fully agree with you on that. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask as a, I mean, I look at you and I think amazing young woman. i in comparison to to, to my forty six years of age, but and, and, I, and actually I feel I feel incredibly inspired that you are looking at this at the start. You mentioned at the beginning that you are at the beginning or coming to this part in your life, and I think mm-hmm. I literally want to punch the air and go brilliant because that's actually what we need is we need more women coming to this stage prepared and aware than getting yeah. prepared and aware whilst they're in it. I mean yes. so yes. so that that's amazing. But I just wonder if you if there's anything that you would have done differently launching the app and if there's anything that and I use this word hesitantly, but any great failures that you've learned from as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, if there's yeah. anything that you would any tips of it and advice?
1: Yes. That's a very good question. Um, for the community, I think we, we tested and learned quite a bit along the way. And um, we thought, you know, what is our role as as community managers or what is our role as the community itself? And what I was referencing to before, we do want to make sure that there is education in there. We want to make sure that there is science in there. But we do want to put the focus really on the community itself. So what started off more as a kind of a resource hub, an education hub, and something where you go to to learn, we quickly turned this into, you know, the education is there. You can access it and you can read it and you can dive into it. But what's really at the forefront is the community and is the conversation. So Mm -hmm. we're not a telehealth solution. We're not a doctor where you can go to, to, you know, get advice. We're really that Peer to peer support group from the ground, people are building each other up and and sharing their stories and experiences. I think that has been a part which we learned quite a bit in terms of setting expectation as well in a community. Is that there's no doctor who's going to give you twenty four seven advice, or there's not this one magic pill which we're which we're prescribing. It's really the community, and this has been the shift of focus for us quite a bit. Of really, you know, saying, okay, this is really just the community talking here.
0: And it sounds like that was also led by demand. I mean, that seems to be that that's what the absolutely. women were, yes. were wanting. And yes. that was the bit that was really getting yes. traction.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then again, because there are sometimes medical conversations and we do want to make sure that with the guidance from our experts and with the interviews and with the podcast, we just give the right amount of um, science-backed Information which can help women to do educated choices and just to, you know, understand better what's going on. So this was our key learning, really, you know, to let the community talk versus to let us as the brand talk, which I think is often... Very easy when you launch something that you're saying, okay, I'm Perry and I'm going to tell you how it is. Well, we want to take a step back as a brand and really let the community have the conversation.
0: That underlines your purpose for being, actually. It's a very humble move for you to step back as a brand and allow your community to lead the way whilst you support it from the sides. It reminds me very much of Mum's Net. Yes. Uh, which is a, a platform that, is, you'll probably be aware of, but it was used very much, particularly with my first two children, was used very much in the kind of motherhood communities as a as a great level of support. Yes. Um, yes. Well, I would really encourage everybody to download it. I yes, I use you. it. It's mm-hmm. um, Perry P E R R Y. And you can download it from the yep. App Store. App Store and,
1: and Android Store. Yes, both stores yeah. we're in. Yes, absolutely. It's free. You can download it can have a look around and join the conversations where you would like to dive in.
0: And what's your hope, Laura? Where do you see Perry, and what would you like to come from, Perry? More of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, really much more of what I'm doing, really spreading the word, becoming that sisterhood for so many who need it. We try to be everywhere and we just try to, you know, educate. But, you know, every day, at least in the US, there are 6,000 more women entering the menopausal years. So there are a lot more who can just, you know... Profit from the sisterhood and just be part of it. So it's really, yes. like you were saying, just more of what we're doing right now. Brilliant. Well, I yes. mean, you know,
0: as, as we've already touched on, I think as a society, as a modern age, we are desperate for connection and community. We need to bring it back. We've dismissed yeah. it to our detriment. We've broken down community pillars and and we need to build them back up. And this is one very sure way of doing that. Yes. So. Laura, thank you so much for being thank a guest. You. I'm deeply inspired by you. I think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. app and I'm sure that a lot of women that are listening to this will also be able to benefit from it now. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Henrietta. It was great being here.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you did, I'd love you to share. Leave a review or visit wildnutrition.com for all things wellness. We're here to support you wherever you are on your journey of life.